and welcome to today's episode of the Four Ps Podcast. Today, we are going to be talking about persistence. We're going to be talking about persistence in a way that may be a way that you haven't thought about persistence before. And it may give you time and a, uh, and a pause to think about, are you truly passionate about what you're doing today? We'll be right back after these messages. Do you have the next big thing? That world-changing whatchamacallit? Do you have a story to tell? You need a show-stopping web presence. You need the web spinners at Webinit. With big picture solutions, spinning together SEO, stellar web design, blogging, podcasts, and social media integrations, you'll find yourself developing your latest and greatest thing, idea, or telling that next chapter in your story. Look us up today at webinit.com. And remember, you're not everywhere unless you're Webinit. Hello and, and welcome back to the Four Ps podcast. Today we're talking about persistence. And like I said, we're talking about persistence in a way that may have you question your passion for what you're doing today. And if you have trouble trying to complete something or trying to get up and go to work or trying to do, trying to stay in a relationship, you know, trying to get done with your college degree, trying, if you are having trouble, I'm not saying if you're having struggle, I'm saying if you're having trouble, in other words, you're just not motivated to move. You want to stay in bed. You don't want to do your homework. There's something that you just don't want to do regarding your current circumstance. And again, it could be school, work, it could be a uh, home life. It could be a marriage. It could be whatever it is. I don't care. If you are having a struggle, this is something for you to think about. I'm going to give you a story. Last winter, it was probably, and in, in, in winters in North Carolina are, are, are odd. You know, I'm originally from Buffalo, New York, and, you know, come November 1st, it's just cold. And it's cold until sometime in May. That's it. It's cold. It's cold. It's snowy. The sun doesn't come up. It's done from the 1st of November until sometime in, I would say, I'm going to be nice and say April. It's cold. That's it. All right. Here in North Carolina, it's a lot different. It's cold one day, hot the next, decent the next day, rainy the next day. It's weird. You can get four seasons in the next minute and a half. And I'm sure everybody's like, well, this happens in, in, in Ohio too. Of course it does. But here it is really odd. And so last winter, you know, I ride bike and I, and I do like riding bike. I, I have been in bike competitions. I have done the uh, uh, 500 track a couple of times. The Indianapolis 500 track a couple of times was actually really cool riding your bike on that thing. Uh, you did not realize, I did not realize the banks of those things were so high where those cars are turning on the turns. And wow, I will, that is just unbelievable. But anyway, uh, I do like riding bike. But last year, it was a decent day in Asheville. It was probably, and, and this is, again, remember, this is winter. It was 45 degrees, light breeze, wasn't that bad. Sun was kind of out, kind of not. I would say partly, I'm going to say partly sunny is not partly cloudy. And I was about ready to go out. Part of my exercise routine sometimes is riding bike. You know, I'll do my my workout, you know, my 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 weights and all that stuff. But then my cardio will be riding bike if I'm not playing hockey, because that would be my cardio if on that day. But so I'm about ready to go put, get on my bike and ride. 
and I stepped outside, I aired up my tires and, and had my, my stuff on, like I said, very light breeze, only 45 degrees. And I walked outside and that light breeze made me think, cause the light breeze, when it hits your face is like, oh man, that's kind of cold. And I didn't ride my bike. And I did not, I said, you know what? It's too cold to ride my bike today. I'm not going to do it. I kid you not, two days later, it was 15 degrees outside, a 30 degree difference. It was cold. It was a dry cold. And I do, maybe because I'm from the Great Lakes, I prefer a wet cold over a dry cold. Dry cold is just like gets you to the bone. And this was a very dry cold. And we had a hockey game. And at 15 degrees, I said, I have to find a way to play hockey. Oh, and it was pretty windy too. So when the when the wind hits your face, it was probably like five, right? Didn't matter. I went, I layered up, I put on as much as I could because I wanted to play hockey. And it was in February and I just got my kids that just bought me brand new wheels because I was playing inline hockey that night. Got me brand new wheels for my inline skates and I could not wait to use them. So I went out in the very, very cold. As a matter of fact, I was layered up so much that when I started playing hockey at 15 degrees, I started sweating to the point to where I realized about halfway through the game that maybe I'd put too much on. And, um, but it didn't matter. I played the game. Why? Is it because I hate bike riding? No, it's because I have a deeper passion for playing hockey than I do for riding bikes. And sometimes that happens with us. If you think about it, think about things that you say you will not do. Think about things that you don't have the money for. You will, in the same day, you may not have the money to buy whatever it may be because it's $25. However, something that you truly want, that's $35, you will go out of your way and make make a way to make sure you make it either you uh, well that i just won't do this today i won't i won't i won't buy milk today because i need to i need to spend this 50 dollars on this certain item whatever that item may be and that's what we do we if we have a passion for something we are willing to make extra sacrifices and we're also willing to take extra hits for it Think about times when you were um, maybe, um, you know, there were people that you wanted to date, um, that you wanted to go on a date with, and you really weren't that passionate about that person. And, well, you know what? I have a cough today, so I'm not going to go. Or, you know what? I'm going to I'm gonna go ahead and, and my friend really needs me today, so I'm going to go hang out with that friend instead of going out with this particular person. Yet... If there is someone that you truly like, regardless of where they are or how they do, you will drive across the Asian continent in a Himalayan snowstorm to get to that person. Because why? You are willing to make the sacrifices because you have the passion, you have the drive, and you have the persistence to get to that individual. And so today, we are actually going to interview someone by the name of Jokima Hiller. And she has an extremely interesting story. And we're going to talk a little bit about hospitality because that's what she specializes in. She is a she is a guru in the hospitality industry. She's also an educator, but she's also someone who has an amazing story, who when she was passionate about obtaining a goal and achieving a dream, 
she literally did whatever it took to get there. And you are going to be amazed by her story, just as I was, and you are going to love what she has to say. She has made lemons, or sorry, she made lemonade out of lemons. And I will say this right now, I don't like that term because I really do like lemons and I don't really drink a lot of lemonade. So, but she has done that. And you will you love her story. We'll be right back after this. Do you have the next big thing? That world-changing whatchamacallit? Do you have a story to tell? You need a show-stopping web presence. You need the web spinners at Webinit. With big picture solutions, spinning together SEO, stellar web design, blogging, podcasts, and social media integrations, you'll find yourself developing your latest and greatest thing, idea, or telling that next chapter in your story. Look us up today at webinit.com. And remember, you're not everywhere unless you're Webinit. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the 4Ps podcast. You know, we today we are talking about persistence and how, you know, we're going to have in our journeys through our professional journeys, our, our educational journeys, and our personal journeys, we are always going to have to overcome something. Some people overcome things that are bigger than others, but we still, I think the bigger obstacles we have to overcome, the more successful we are on the other end. Um, I am here today, like I promised, with Dr. Joachima Hiller. She is the assistant uh, a professor in business at uh, IU Northwest, and that is up by, uh, now IU Northwest, what part of Indiana is that? It's in Gary, Indiana. In Gary, Indiana. Dr. Joachima, uh, welcome to our program. Thank you so very much. I am I'm excited to be here with well, you. Thank, thank you so much. You know, you are you have such a vast uh, resume. Uh, you you have taught. You have taught at numerous um, uh, institutions. You have taught in numerous states. You have taught in numerous fields. Uh, one thing that you are, um, and I'm going to say this because I know you personally. One thing that you were phenomenal at and still are is in the arts of culinary. Um, not as far as the cooking part, but as the business part, the hospitality industry. And you have been great with that. You've written several books uh, on that. Uh, tell us about you, and tell us about um, uh, what you're, what you did before, and what you're doing now. Sure, absolutely. Thank you for this opportunity. Well, I uh, probably knew as early as about seven or eight years old that I wanted to work in the hotel industry, in the hospitality industry. I am an army brat. And so uh, my dad and, and family, we traveled quite a bit. And I just remember hotels representing magic. We would, you know, stay the night someplace and my dad would go off and do his military thing. And my mom and I had, had an older brother. And we would go off and come back at the end of the day and I would go, hold it, wait, who, who made the bed? Mom didn't make us make the bed. How did that happen? Not understanding that there was an entire department uh, out there called housekeeping. Or we would go to breakfast in the morning and you know enjoy the buffet and then we would walk out. And I would go, uh-oh, we're going to jail because <laughs> dad didn't pay for breakfast, not understanding that it was included you know, in the rate at that particular hotel. So I have always had um, an, a, a quest to be in the industry in some form or fashion. And at 15, I had an opportunity to work in the human resources department at the Radisson Hotel at Star Plaza, 
in Merrillville, Indiana, and I've never looked back. <laughs> so now, you know, the, the hotel industry ha has been, um, it, it is it is now on uh, the rebound, but it's also, it's been, you know, COVID, I re and I will say this, I am, I hope I'm not going to get myself in trouble, but I remember jumping on, um, I got some deals. I did some traveling during COVID because I was getting beautiful hotels for like $30 a night in Savannah, in Charleston, in Jacksonville, uh, all up and down the coast. And I was actually, I mean, granted, our services were pretty limited as far as what we could do, but I was taking advantage of those empty sure. hotels. But now it's kind of changed. Can you tell us about the industry and what, what's going on Absolutely. now and, and how it was affected in the past? Well, I'll be very frank with you. We weren't prepared. For COVID, I, I don't think anybody really was. Not the health care system, you know, not our different companies or businesses, grocery stores. Everybody was running out of things, and so naturally, nor was uh, the hospitality, uh, hotel, restaurant, cruises. No, no one was prepared, and so I think we hurt a lot of our managers and employees who had been vested and invested uh, in their career in the industry. And we clearly lost a lot of our quality teams. So it's been difficult to know that we couldn't get those folks back, but then to go out and try and find um, individuals who would give us another chance. And so the industry is still struggling in that standpoint on how to be more creative um, in finding um, good staff, but also to change their environment to find out exactly what they want to come and and be a good part a part of the good a good team. Um, likewise, though, there's been some pent up demand, so we've got all of these travelers, such as yourself, saying, "Hey, I, we're back to work. I, I need to come and stay." You know where where's where's everybody? <laughs> right. Why, why can't I get breakfast in the morning anymore? Um, what's happening? Why can't I get my room cleaned daily? Those are the services that have really been impacted, and so the rates are increasing, and we just now need to follow up with getting stable staff and uh, normalizing uh, our activities in the industry. And I'm going to ask you two more questions about hospitality. Then I'm going to go on. You are one of my very few. Usually, when I talk to to uh, um, guests on my on my podcast, it's always like this is what we're talking about. But you are so versatile, and you have so much to talk about that we are actually going to leave this segment and go into another one without a commercial break. But we are still going to do that. But my other question is just actually is two questions. The first question is, you just talked about a little bit about uh, um, the staffing issues uh, in hospitality. Um, is the, First of all, and this is maybe a two-part question, how, it, as, a, as a person who is staffing a hotel, how am I going to do that? But as a person looking for a career, what are the... Um, what are the benefits for me getting into the hospitality uh, industry? Well, our industry has been known for uh, being a place where people without necessarily an education and without experience could come and we would provide you with that. 
And so today that is ever more um, the, the state of the industry. So if you are someone who wants to work in the industry, now is the time to apply and to join, and you're going to get one-on-one -on -one training, on-the-job training, a lot of love from your management and owners. And in no time, you know, probably within less than a year, can fill an opportunity if you're ready to, to move up in whatever area you want. It no longer do you have to pay your dues. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, um, starting at 15, I didn't get into management until after um, I completed my, my bachelor's degree. But now without the degree and with minimal experience um, within six months or so, if you hang in there and really learn and capture the nature of the industry, and, and know the fundamentals of what hospitality is all about, you can seek uh, promotion or travel or go someplace else and apply for, for management opportunities. So I would say for employees who are looking to be a manager, even if it was in a different industry, if you just really are interested in, in being a salaried employee, want to know what it feels like to have employees, now is the time to, mm -hmm. to get involved. And I would say that today employees are looking for something different than what employers had been looking for in the past. And so we've got to make sure that we bridge the gap and that we're all kind of providing what they want and looking um, for the things that we, we want nowadays to, to join an organization. And I would say those top things are professional development and an opportunity to grow with a business. And so mm -hmm. our hotels and our restaurants have to be able to clearly set that pipeline for individuals that are coming in. They don't want to wait. <laughs> no, they do not. And now we're going to switch gears just a little bit. Um, you went from Indiana to, to Missouri to um, um, get closer to, to achieving your, your lifelong educational dream of, of, of getting your doctorate. Also, um, in your, in your journey, um, you, by getting your doctorate, let me, let me put it this way, you became a very versatile individual. I mean, we talked a lot about hospitality right now. You are in business and you are, you are teaching business courses to, to, um, to aspiring future business people in college. So, you know, and I'm sure it goes beyond hospitality now. Um, but your journey, your journey, um, your journey was not a straight line. A lot of people say, you know, a lot of people, they see doctors, they see successful people, and they look at them and they say, must be nice. You know, and and in your case, yes, you are extremely successful and I admire you for that. But your journey wasn't so nice. Why don't you explain oh, it to my no. audience? Mm -mm. No, it, it wasn't. Um, I fell into a very mm, popular track being in the hospitality industry, and it's called being a workaholic. Mm -hmm. um, back in the day when I started, we were put on the schedule for 50, 60 hours. <laughs> and then you find yourself working even more. And so as I transitioned into education, I couldn't relinquish that work ethic. 
Um, and I remember my first time working, my first education op opportunity was at the Chef's Academy in Indiana, Indianapolis, where we met. And I remember that first week on a Friday night, I was working and someone came and turned the lights out. <laughs> and I was like, wait a minute, <laughs> I'm still going to be here for a while. Why are you turning the lights out? It's just, you know, six right. o'clock. <laughs> I at least need to put in a 20 hour day, right? Exactly. <laughs> so I, I kind of tried to become a recovering workaholic. But when I relocated to Springfield, Missouri, um, my goal was to go someplace where I didn't know anyone so that I could focus more on my education. I was pursuing my doctorate in hospitality management, but also I wanted to focus on honing my skill of teaching. You know, I had been previously workshop presenter. I was a trainer for a global hotel company. To teach in a, a educational setting, it's a little bit different. You got to pipe things down. You don't necessarily have um, tools and materials to move about the classroom and have all sorts of activities. And so there was some adjustment to still bring to the classroom the level of engagement that I liked um, to do. And so I still became the queen of crazy activities in the classroom. And we made adjustments um, as I went along. But I became that hardcore workaholic again. When the building, you know, first opened up in the morning, you would see my car out there. At the end of the night when my building that I worked in was closing up, you would still see my car out there. And I did not pay attention to anything else other than my education and my job and missed some signals of my body breaking down. Mm -hmm. And so when I finally went to the doctor, she prescribed some medication for me that I was unfamiliar with. And honestly, um, it said on there that it may cause blood clots, but we never think that, that the worst case scenario is going to happen to us. And sure enough, in a matter of days, I remember texting my sister that I felt like I was going to die something was wrong and I couldn't quite put my finger on it. So when I contacted the doctor back to tell her how I was feeling, the nurse said, look, it, the doctor said, if you can't wait until one day to come in, go to the emergency room. And so that was the, the end of July, beginning of August of 2015. And show you how disconnected from everything I was. I asked the nurse, I said, well, where is the hospital? <laughs> Come to find out <laughs> when she gave me the directions or gave me the address, it was right down the street from me. I had wow. been passing the, the big, this big hospital uh, for over a year and hadn't even paid attention that that's where it was at. So I get there and among a variety of different issues, including they found a hole in my heart that had gone undetected since birth, who knew? Um, but I also had blood clots that formed in my legs. And so they were able to save my left leg, but they weren't able to save my right. So at the, I guess, um, transition time in my life of going from being in the industry to really um, 
enjoying university life and, and taking care of my students. I didn't take care of myself and I became a, a right leg above the knee amputee. So I don't even have a knee on my, my right leg. So um, it changed everything right. in my life. I can only imagine, but one thing that you did was, um, and this is something that I, I I love. You you don't, and I've never seen you. Don't feel sorry for yourself, and you never went to the point to where you became a victim. But what you did do was you absolutely turned uh, lemons, and I love lemons, so I don't I don't know how to say turn lemons because I'll eat a lemon, I'll peel a lemon in a heartbeat and eat it. Sure. But you turned. Uh, let's see, what do I not like? And if you change it into something else, I like it. Yeah, I don't like pumpkin. So you turn pumpkin into pumpkin pie. Exactly. All right? So yeah, because I, I don't really, I couldn't eat a pumpkin to save my life, but I'll eat a pie, right? But yeah. um, so tell us what you did. How did you, sure. what was that pumpkin pie like? Well, you know, um, I will give credit to my uh, belief system. Um, I do believe in God, but I also give credit to my family and um, the children in my life. I don't have any of my own, but through my work and younger cousins and my nephews and nieces that I have, I became everyone's Auntie Jody over years. And so they were pulling for me. You know, my Facebook friends were pulling for me. Mm -hmm. My previous colleagues would come and visit and they were pulling for me. And my family just said, you know, you gotta keep going. And, and it was one day in the hospital, my, my dad said, well, what you going to do about school? Because, you know, I was right in that middle of working on my doctorate. And honestly, I was like, you know, it's not even important anymore. You know, I just want to learn how to walk and continue, continue on with my life. And he said, girl, all that money you didn't spent already. <laughs> and I was like, hmm. Yeah, it's <laughs> a typical so, army dad right there. That's exactly, a typical yeah, army yeah, dad. Yeah, yes, for sure. for sure. He called me out, and at that point, I said, it, "It's not time to to call it quits," you know. So, I never took any time off from working on my doctorate. Uh, I did take one semester from from my job from teaching, but in that semester, I focused on learning how to to utilize a prosthesis. And my goal was to be able to walk back into my classroom in front of my students um, to show them that I didn't give up on them. I wanted to be able to be there and to share all of my experience and my crazy stories and activities and things with them. I walked back in with a cane, but the goal was still to, to walk back in. And through that process, um, I learned that, you know, I, I wouldn't break and that there were people who were looking that I didn't know were looking, you know, like those kids that were in my life stretching from Virginia to um, Lima, Peru, to all of these kids who were saying, where, you know, we need our Auntie Jody back. Where, where is she? And, you know, we need her to, to come, come back to us and be whole again. And so that's what I was striving for, to get back a life. Mm -hmm. um, one of the other things that I, um, pieces of advice that I had while I was still in the hospital, there was a, a young lady that came in and she had on a prosthesis. And within the amputee community, we have peer visits at the hospital. When they find out you've become an amputee, 
They come in with their prosthesis on and they try to match you up with someone who's similar. So this young lady was a professor at another uh, college in, in Springfield, Missouri. And she came walking in without any assistance. And one of the first pieces of advice she gave me, she said, you're going to have so many additional doctor's visits, physical therapy visits, you know, counselors, uh, they assigned you a psychologist. You're going to have all of these visits and you don't want it to be so clinical by them saying, well, how's your prosthetic device and your prosthesis? So she said, give it a name <laughs> so that they are forced to use it and say, how is Joakima? Or my nickname is Jody. So how is Jody and, and how is the name of your prosthesis? And what I found was that that was the number one coping mechanism that worked for me because she turned into a whole character. <laughs> I didn't know how wild it was going to be at the point that my goddaughter named her Sabrina. Okay. And she um, she's green, which is my favorite color. And she later had her name tattooed on. So my students would say, oh, Miss Joakima, you're so cool. You, you know, your leg is tatted up. Sabrina is tatted up with her, her <laughs> name on there. And I didn't realize just really what I had until I showed up at church one day. And this lady was running across the church. Sabrina, Sabrina. And it's like, no, she's not talking to my leg. I know she's not talking about my leg. And sure enough, she came and she stood over me. I did not know her and she didn't know my name. She said, I just came to see what shoe Sabrina had on today and to make sure she was okay. And I was like, well, oh, okay. Okay. What about me? But okay. <laughs> so Sabrina has gone on to have a coloring book entitled Sabrina and her new shoe. And out of all of my, my dear hospitality and hotel books, it is, by far the most popular um, addition to, to my book writing that I have to date. Wow. So everybody well, loves Miss Sabrina and she is quite sassy too. So. There you go. Well, I'm going to make sure that in our podcast notes, uh, you will have a, a, there will be a link so you can uh, purchase the Sabrina book along with her other books, uh, sure. uh, Dr. Hiller's other books. But I would like to say one thing, uh, one thing that I do admire about you is the fact that, that again, like I said, you will overcome and you say it with a smile. Uh, there are a lot of times things happen in life. Now, you know, losing a leg and, and, and having a medical issue like that, sometimes that shuts people down. Sometimes okay. it absolutely shuts people down and it, 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 it becomes that obstacle and actually becomes that crutch that people use not to move forward. And, and one thing I am glad is what you did. You had a father um, who kind of told you, you know, I mean, I know it sounds harsh, but, you know, what you going to do, you know, and, and that is a beautiful thing. And, and the funny thing is, is even though your father said what you're going to do, it's funny that 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 now uh, Jody is telling and even Sabrina, in a way, is telling Dr. Hiller what you're going to do. And it, and, it, and it makes you move forward because you always oh, yeah. want to know what you're going to do. And Absolutely. I do appreciate that. And, and I think that this is a lesson um, that the entire audience can, can definitely uh, grow from and, and, and learn from is things are going to happen. But in the, it, you know, the bottom line is, yeah, it happened. But what you're going to do? And 
You've invested too much time and you've invested too much money. You've invested too much energy into whatever it is you're doing. And, and that's what you do. Uh, Jokima, it was fantastic having you on uh, today. Uh, like I said, uh, all of the links to her books will be in the podcast notes and you will purchase them. But make sure um, you uh, you listen to the podcast and, and, and listen to the inspiration that uh, Jokima has given us today. Thank you so much. And we'll be right back after this. Do you have the next big thing? that world-changing whatchamacallit? Do you have a story to tell? You need a show-stopping web presence. You need the web spinners at Webinit. With big picture solutions, spinning together SEO, stellar web design, blogging, podcasts, and social media integrations, you'll find yourself developing your latest and greatest thing, idea, or telling that next chapter in your story. Look us up today at webinit.com. And remember, you're not everywhere unless you're Webinit. Welcome back. I sincerely hope you enjoyed the interview with Dr. Chokima Hiller. She has a number of books and you will have a link in the podcast notes where you can go and get her books. She is a very, she's an extremely inspirational individual. And I love how she has totally turned pumpkins into pumpkin pie. See, there you go. Pumpkins into pumpkin pie. No more lemon in the lemonades, man. I want to keep the lemons so I can eat them. And we will be back again tomorrow. And we'll be talking to Drew Draxon. You're going to love his story. Uh, it's a great story, one of inspiration, one of moving, um, one of definite self-improvement for sure. We will talk to you tomorrow. Have a great day.